Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 5, Guilty Pleasures. Welcome back to the show this week. I'm Chris McBride, and that's Yance Eaton. And of course, this is Pop Goes Your World, a pop culture podcast for the generations. Okay, now this week, it's guilty pleasures. You, you know them. We've all got them. And we're going to get to ours in just a minute. But Yancey, I just want to say, I almost feel like us admitting our guilty pleasures is taking a really, really big chance. You know, like, I mean, people could come away after this show thinking that we're really weird. So before we get started, any last words? Uh, <laughs> I can't even tell you. I had to get like approval for some of these with my wife because I wanted to put some stuff and she's just like, you know, she's like, maybe, maybe wait until you're a few more episodes in. She's like, I don't want to give people the wrong idea. <laughs> I tell you, it's going to be great. And the yeah. thing is that here's the thing. I like, I know there's people out there that have their own guilty pleasures that they just don't share with anyone. You know, they're, they're afraid to admit them. But listen, here's the deal. Yancey, you and I are willing to come out and talk about our guilty pleasures. So I think regardless of what anyone thinks, it, this definitely takes guts. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Anyway, are you ready to get started? Yeah, man. Let's do it. Okay, let's go. And everyone knows how much I love Fonzie. I don't know if you've seen any of the Sharknado movies. Shatner and Takei are going to be there. I cannot believe that this is actually possible. The Star Wars prequels were awful. Young Doctors in Love. Young Doctors in Love. Bad CGI kind of starts and ends with George Lucas. Some of the worst CGI I have ever seen in my entire life. He ruined the whole original trilogy by superimposing Hayden Christensen over Sebastian Shaw at the end of Jedi. Okay, so we're going to be going through our top five guilty pleasures. Uh, Yancey, why don't you start us off? We'll go from five to one and we'll alternate as always. So number five, what's your number five guilty pleasure, my friend? Uh, <laughs> this is going so to be good. So I could have gone a lot of different ways with this, right? but I think my first one, I'm going to go with uh, a very successful pop star by the name of Katy Perry. Uh, my wife knows about this. She's cool with this. I uh, am borderline in love with Katy Perry. She's a, a tall, you know, in shape, beautiful brunette woman. And it's not just her physical appearance that I'm in love with. I I literally have listened to like her Teenage Dream album and her Prism album probably a hundred times. It's really, really cheesy, kind of like teen, you know, glitter pop, super, super poppy, over the top, like summer songs and stuff. But I literally cannot stop listening to it. Since I first listened to her, maybe, I don't know, five or six years. If you look on like my iTunes, my top 25 most played, maybe 15 are Katy Perry songs. Really, really. Okay, so question for you. So for millennials is... Obviously, listening to Katy Perry is, like, frowned upon. It's not cool. Is that the, the idea? Say that again? So, for millennials, listening to Katy Perry is not cool. Is that the, the idea here? It's just, it's it's a guilty pleasure. It's something you don't admit to people? Well, I mean, for a 27-year-old guy to say that he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, I don't know. It's, it, it's one of those things where... Uh, I don't know. You, you wouldn't put those two together. You wouldn't link like a, a 27-year-old heterosexual male, you know, being deeply, deeply invested 
emotionally in you know Katy Perry's music. It's not something you just want to advertise, but gotcha. like I said, thankfully my wife is totally cool with it. All right, okay. Well, my, my number five is uh, Remo Williams. The adventure begins. Okay, so back in 1985, they came out with this movie. It was based on the Destroyer novels, and it it was it was like marketed as a new James Bond type of hero. By the way, he wasn't. Um, and so the movie starts off with this New York cop, and then he gets like pushed into the Hudson River, and then he wakes up. And he's like in a strange hospital room and he's been kidnapped and his kidnappers, like they've somehow surgically changed his face. But, but they obviously they didn't have much of a budget for the movie because surgically changing his face pretty much just meant that they just shaved his mustache off. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding. And, and then they changed his name to Remo Williams because it was a name. If I remember, it was a name on the bottom of the bedpan in the hospital room. It was like the manufacturing company in the city where the bedpan was made or something. So anyway, he gets he gets like recruited into this like weird group called Cure, and it's run by Wil- Wilfred Brimley, and he gets trained to become a master assassin by a Korean martial arts master named Chun. But of course, since it's 1985, they didn't even use a real Korean actor. Instead, it was Joel Grey um, in makeup. So Joel Grey, by the way, is Jennifer Grey's dad. You know, like the girl from Dirty Dancing and Ferris Bueller. Um, so it was her dad. But the thing is, as, as crazy as it sounds, Joel Grey was awesome in the role. Like he even got a Golden Globe nomination for it. So, but anyway, he so he trains Remo to be, to become an assassin, and it's basically like this big adventure. But nothing really happens. And then Remo rides on a tree in a lumberyard, and then like walks on water across the lake. It's totally cheesy. Totally embarrassing, but I'll tell you what, I totally love it. <laughs> I remember my roommates in college, they caught me watching this movie, um, actually on more than one occasion too, um, and they thought I was a total loser for it. And I'm, I'm not proud to admit it, but I gotta say, I love Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, and I'm pretty sure, I'm probably in the minority when I say this, but I wish that The, the Adventure would have continued. But it, but it never did. The movie bombed and they didn't make any more of them. But that's my number five. So your number four, Guilty Pleasure. Yeah, under my number four. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. So I, I don't know if you've seen this movie or not. I think you have. It For a little while, it was pretty relevant. But uh, it's called Napoleon Dynamite. You're oh, aware, yes, I'm yes. sure. Oh, yeah, I know it. Okay. So a lot of my friends in high school were obsessed with this movie. And I was very skeptical. I'd never heard of it. You know, obviously, I, I back in the day, I was so uncultured where if I didn't see something in a movie trailer, I just assumed that it was because it wasn't a very good movie. So surely, you know, for somebody to bring up a movie they hadn't heard of, it, there must be something inherently flawed with the film. So I finally convinced my parents to go to Blockbuster back whenever Blockbuster was still a thing. Like people would literally drive to a physical location to pick up a movie and take it home and watch it, which nowadays just sounds crazy but anyway so i get my parents to rent napoleon dynamite and myself my two sisters my older brother i had two more friends over and my mom and dad all sit down and watch this movie and i'm not kidding chris i cried from laughing so hard this entire movie literally could not control myself giggling nearly pissed my pants and i look over at my parents i look over at my siblings and they're all just stoic just sitting there just <laughs> just not having fun not enjoying this you can tell like the only reason why they didn't get up and and just walk out of the room was because they i guess didn't want to hurt my feelings but this movie even now is one of the most quotable just weird off beaten movies I've ever seen and it, it's it's always stuck with me but it's one of those movies where it's it's so incredibly polarizing where if you if you make some sort of quote uh, and somebody picks it up that has seen the movie they 
you just became best friends. But people who have seen the movie, they normally only watch it once or they only watch half of it. And there's no in between. There's no I kind of like the movie or I, you know, I'm kind of indifferent to it. It's you love this movie or you hate it. So Napoleon Dynamite is my number four guilty pleasure. Oh, and the thing is with that movie, like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie before or after that's so ambiguous. Like the whole thing, everything about that movie is ambiguous. Like, yes. does it take place in the eighties or is it current day? It's like in it's like in Idaho or something like that. But then there's like a Mexican kid running for school president, and then even like his brother Kip, and then he's it looks like the eighties, but he's on he's online and he's like dating, and then even the girl that comes at La Fonda, like you can't even tell is is that an <laughs> is that is she a female or a male? Oh my. Like, it's just the whole thing is just so ambiguous. <laughs> That's yep. a good one, too. Yeah, admitting that you like that, I guess, could have its things. Okay, my number four, The Love Boat. Uh, I'm sure you've probably heard of this show, Yancey. It took place in the 70s, uh, and mm-hmm. every week it had, like, different guest stars. And I got to tell you what, I, I, I use the term stars very loosely when I say that for the people they had on there. Um, you know how they have uh, Dancing with the Stars, but the stars like are, like, Z-list celebrities? Imagine that, okay? But every week on a cruise, cruise ship with, like, cheesy scripts and corny dialogue and they even had a laugh track um the crew's the same every week and, and they're awesome like there's there's gopher he's the yeoman purser and he was played by actually by fred grandy and uh he went on to have a political career as a congressman go figure um but there was uh isaac the black bartender with this like wicked handlebar mustache and i think my favorite of all was the, the ship's doctor it was played by Bernie Capel, and he was supposed to be like this womanizing guy. He was a ship's doctor, right? And he, and he, he made it with all the, the girls. I mean, he's like a total nerd with this like big glasses and a goofy smile. I, it, you know, the thing was, like, it was pretty much a floating mess, you know, it really. But I totally love this show. And funny, <laughs> a couple of years ago for Christmas, my wife was asking me, she's like, well, well, give me some ideas, honey. Like, what would you like for Christmas this year? And I noticed that the love boat was coming out on DVD. So I asked for the first season on DVD for Christmas and I got it and I forced my wife to watch all 25, oh all 25 episodes. 25 episodes. <laughs> I made her watch them all. I'm lucky she didn't divorce me for crying out loud. But then the thing is to this day, when I'm alone, I'll find old episodes online and I'll watch them by myself. I think it's totally embarrassing and I hate to admit it, but I freaking love The Love Boat and I can watch it all day long. That's, <laughs> that's, that's so weird. Oh, I know. Chris. I know. I can't. This is what I'm, I'm embarrassed. I, this takes a lot of guts to do this. But anyway, I'm doing it. Uh, uh, that's my number four. So what's your number three? So real quick. Yeah. So is that is you said you're talking about they enlisted a bunch of D D list actors, basically yeah, like yeah. every that week. makes yep. that makes me think of. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the the game show Hollywood Squares. I'm not even sure if it's still on, if they're making re- recording new episodes rather. But anytime I'd ever watch Hollywood Squares, they would always have like Caroline Ray and like Bruce Valanche and oh, yeah. like, yep. you know, actors that you just barely, barely knew that were just barely in like the general you know, consciousness of like pop culture, but yes. I guess that was the same thing for, for the love boat. Yes. And another thing too, as, as another aside, I, another thing I used to love, it just barely just missed my list was like cheesy seventies and eighties game shows because they did the same thing. They brought on all these actors and they just paid them scale. Right. So it was all actors that needed work. So a lot of them like they hadn't worked in years or just like you were saying, they're, they're from the fringes of Hollywood and they would come on and yeah, it was the same thing. So it was just like Hollywood Squares, but before the big one uh, in the late 70s and early 80s was Match Game, the Match Game. Oh my God, it was the best show ever. Gene Rayburn with like a long microphone and then he would get, like contestants would come on and then there was a, a panel of six stars, <laughs> stars, again, the very loose term there. And um, what they would do is the, the, the Gene Rayburn would, would, would make, they have a sentence and there'd be a blank in it and then 
the, the contestant would have to say what the word would be in the blank to fill in the blank and then have to match it with all the stars. And it was like always like these sexual innuendos and all this stuff. And it was and everyone on the show would be like drinking and smoking and like, oh, just crazy. Loved it. Loved it. But yeah, definitely cheesy stars, just like on Hollywood Squares. Exact same thing. So anyway, uh, what's your number three guilty pleasure, my friend? All right. My number three guilty pleasure is actually something my wife and I do together and don't take your don't let your mind wander with that. Uh <laughs> But, Chris, you've heard of Twitter, obviously. We're both active on Twitter all the time. Very active. Um, but do you use Vine? Uh, no, I actually don't. You don't use Vine? Are you nope. Are you intimately aware yeah, at I'm all? I'm familiar with it, yep, but I'm, okay. I'm not into it. Yep. So, obviously, those of you who don't know, Vine, according to Wikipedia, is a short-form video sharing service where users can create six-second-long looping video clips. It's actually owned by Twitter now. Um, I've never posted a single thing on Vine. I don't make videos on there. I'm for whatever reason, I've just not used that medium, but, um, in one of our past shows, we talked about, you know, Saturday Night Live and we talked about how comedy is so important to you and stand up and just original content and stuff like that. And you know, how, how gifted, you know, certain people were in the past. So there's this little niche community that has basically sprouted from this vine, which you would think six seconds isn't a lot to do a whole lot, but it's actually quite the opposite. This has turned into its, its own art form, basically of, of making, uh, you know, clips and, and, and short skits and stuff like that within six seconds. Well, they have a humor channel on there that's just people making jokes or doing funny skits and stuff within these six seconds. And uh, it's something that my wife and I have literally, it's a it's a weekly thing now. She will go while I'm sleeping because she's a night owl. She'll stay up super late and I have to get up really early for work. She'll go and she will look at all of the most popular humor, you know, vines from the last week and a half or two weeks or so. And she will favorite all of them and save them. We'll go back and we'll watch them together. And it's almost like a game because she's trying to find stuff that will make me laugh. And she's gotten really, really good at it. But um, you want to talk about some of the most creative, just progressive comedy, Chris? It's on Vine, and it's 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 insane. Um, a couple of users, if you, in case you guys aren't familiar with the platform, but some users you guys should check out: uh, Meal Monster, Jason Nash, Brandon Calvillo, Lennar, and Ariel Vandenberg. There's so much content on there. There's so I mean, you can literally just jump in. You don't even have to create an account and just watch these things. Um, I would I would play some vines for you but obviously our podcast will probably get taken down but it is it is the best way to just get just mindless really really short uninvolved entertainment in like a, a really really easy way so vine is my number three and is vine pretty popular do a lot of people go on there you think <clears throat> um it it had its I, I, alexa which obviously ranks like the most popular sites in the world has it at 1567 so it's a top 2000 site in the world which is pretty good a couple years ago it kind of had like its heyday where it was in the spotlight and um you know it was on the top of the app stores and stuff like that there are still a few million people using it but most of those people aren't creating content they're they're basically just sharing it it's you know so you don't have a lot of original content on there but like I said, the little niche of humor that's on there is just, it's, it's unbelievable. Okay. Cause, cause it just, the only reason, because I, I just feel like I'm really getting embarrassed with some of my, my guilty pleasures that I'm actually like exposing myself out here. And, in and I just, I, I just, it seems like Vine might be kind of popular. So it's, it's I don't know if you're just trying to duck this one or no, you're trying no, to get no, away no. easy here. You know, I'm just calling I'll you I'll say this. I'll say this. I haven't spoken to like any of the negative aspects of this, right? So they're being a vine star is almost like a derogatory term. Oh, like okay. online, if you call somebody a vine star, it's basically saying like you're a D list celebrity. Like, oh, congratulations, you're a vine star. That's like kissing your sister. Wow. Um, they, you know, so there's 
Yeah, so there's a lot of trash and stuff that's involved with Vine, and there's a lot of like cringeworthy stuff that goes with it. Like, you don't want to be considered a Vine kid, you don't want to be considered a a Vine star. Okay. But yeah, so there is this like negative connotation that goes with it. But like I said, I absolutely love it. Okay, no, it's all good. Uh, Okay, so my number three, are you ready for this one? Save by the Bell. But uh, I tell you what, I'm going to take it a step further. I'm not even talking about the original show. No, wait for it, man. Save by the Bell, the, the college years. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> so in, in case oh, God. anybody didn't know, <laughs> they came up with this show, uh, you know, on the characters from the original series, but only now they were at college and they went they went to Cal U and their their dormant advisor was Bob Golick. Uh, his character was Mike Rogers on the show. And Golick was a professional football player in real life, right? I think he played with the Raiders, if I remember correctly. Um, but then anyway, he went into acting, although I think this was his pretty much his one and only gig he ever had. <laughs> but uh, so the show is basically, it's like Zach trying to to get with the new girl Leslie but you know he still has feelings for Kelly you know but then Kelly's in love with her teacher professor Lasky and now Lisa Turtle and Jesse they didn't come over to the college years from the original and, and it only lasted one season but I tell Go you figure. what I, I, for good reason too <laughs> but I gotta tell you that one season man, I loved watching it the the episodes was like they were all just like getting into trouble you know like on one um screech was trying to get uh, nitrous oxide for a rave and then they were trying to steal copies of the final exam and then i remember they played poker in the dorm and and then mike rogers got mad at them so then they tried to set him up on a date with the english professor i even remember her name was judith Trudell. oh it's so bad um but anyway i used to watch it at night alone because i didn't want anyone to know i was watching it and <laughs> and to me that's that's the true definition of a guilty pleasure so for that reason it's my number three all right. Well, you you literally picked a. Uh, if you would have said Saved by the Bell, that's kind of weird. It's one of those shows where I remember watching it when I was younger. It was entertaining, but it doesn't really hold up. It's one of those shows where, like, if you watch it later, it just I don't know. It it, it definitely feels dated. Oh, the yeah, fact that you would watch the spinoff that's like me saying, <laughs> no, I didn't really watch Friends, but I watched Joey's yeah, spinoff. Exactly. That's the guilty pleasure part of it. Yeah, that, <laughs> you don't like to admit it, but it, you really like doing it when you do it. So anyway, uh, so go ahead. What's uh, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is kind of a general term, but I am in love with dank memes. Chris, are you? How strong is your meme game? Uh, I guess it's okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. You know, as, as hip as I'd like to think I am with millennial stuff. So, but uh, educate me a little bit, would you? Okay. So obviously, any meme, they're they're constantly evolving. There are literally thousands and thousands of memes at this point. Um, text messaging, as we used to know it, is dead. Nobody just texts anymore. You know, they're using emoji and stuff like that, or they'll send video, or they'll send voice chats, or FaceTime, or anything. But um, me personally, I'm more of a meme guy. I like to take memes of, of funny pictures of culture relevant things, like whether it be Donald Trump or whether it be Michael Phelps is making his uh, his Jedi evil face at the Olympics the other day. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's it's literally the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. Um, another popular one is crying Jordans, you know, like basically like imposing Michael Jordan's crying face at his Hall of uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony, Im- imposing it on or over any type of scenario you can think of. I don't text. I send memes. That's like my absolute favorite thing. Um, I literally will spend hours and hours and hours downloading memes, going to meme generator sites that let me create my own to where I can superimpose words over over pictures and stuff. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like kind of like with Vine. There's like this really kind of like dark underbelly of like the of meme culture. Obviously, it's attached to tons of you know sexism and heter- uh, homophobia and racism and stuff. But there's also ones that are just genuinely funny and don't have anything to do with those kind of you know negative stigmas and stuff. Um, I've kind of kept it a secret. If you look on my Twitter, I don't really tweet a lot of memes just because 
you know, there is this this really kind of negative undertone that goes with it. You know, like if you're posting memes, whatever, you look really immature. People think that you're kind of a kind of like a mouth breather, if you will, kind of like a bottom dweller of internet society. So I don't like advertising it, but just you know, for the sake of transparency, I am definitely a dank meme enthusiast. Well, there you go. Okay, these these top two for me. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm really gonna, I'm really really gonna get myself in trouble with these ones. People are gonna think I'm really weird. Okay, so do you remember that song "Holiday" by Madonna? It came out holiday. In, yeah, yeah. You remember it came out in 1983, <laughs> right? Well, it came out in '83, and then in 1986, these these two Dutch guys, they were they were called MC Micro G and DJ Swen, and they came out with a rap song that sampled Madonna's Holiday. It was called Holiday Rap. And they also used a sample of Summer Holiday from Cliff Richard. Um, So it's basically these two guys with these like heavy, heavy Dutch accents rapping along to Madonna's Holiday. It's so awful. It's one of the worst (laughs) songs ever made. And I absolutely love it. Every time I hear it, I sing along to it. It's, I just, I don't know what it is. I love love holiday rap. It's so bad. It's like, like I say, there's these Dutch guys. It's like, uh, we're going to ring, ring a dong for a holy day. Put your arms in the air. Let me hear you say. And it's just like, you got to look it up on YouTube. Cause they're like, it's like, we are going on a summer holiday. If you want to go, you'll swim. We're going to London and New York City and take a little piece of Amsterdam. And it's just the way it's not even a rap. What the hell? It's, it's, Chris. Oh, you should hear it. They're like, I can understand most things rappers say because rapping is my thing and I do it every day. It's just like, it's off the charts. I absolutely. I Literally, love. as you're singing this, I'm like cringing for you. <laughs> you, you, should, <laughs> you should. It's so bad and cheesy. And it's like, and then the worst to make it worse is the, the music video that they came out with is the worst music video of all time. It was. It was voted. It has it has a music video. Yes, it was voted worst music video of all time by Much Music. That's the Canadian MTV, by the way. Um, <laughs> these two guys that are in it, they first of all, they look nothing like rappers. It, they look like a couple guys that don't even listen to music, to be honest with you. So they got DJ Sweat. He's like this seven foot tall beanpole with this cheesy mustache, and there's like no choreography in their moves. They just do this awful box step. The whole and they're not even in time with each other, <laughs> and it's probably one of the worst songs of all time. Definitely the worst video of all time, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> I like I say, I know all the words to it. I totally groove to it. <clears throat> you know, I I was always worried if anyone ever found out, I'd probably be either shunned or maybe even institutionalized. So of course I come on the podcast and I announce it. But you know, <laughs> at least at least I've got the guts to come forward and admit this. <laughs> I tell you. Okay, on to number one. What's your number All one? All right, I'm, I, I have some homework to do. As soon as we get off, this, I'm going to uh, you got go you got you to go look up holiday rap on YouTube, and you're just gonna fall off your chair. I'm sure Madonna really appreciates being tied to that too. Oh yeah. Oh, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> All right, my uh, my number one. It's a uh, it's it's it originated as a a Twitter thing that morphed into an entire internet thing. And I spend most of my time basically consuming this type of content on Reddit, which I'm sure you know what Reddit is. In case you guys don't know, it's kind of like the front page of the internet. It's a bunch of forums where people can submit content and they can upvote or downvote them and leave comments. Um, So kind of embarrassed to say this, but my number one is actually black people Twitter. (laughs) Now hear me out. I I can feel the tension over the airways. (laughs) Black people Twitter is in no way you know, a bunch of white people making fun of black people. So let's stomp that right now. Black people Twitter is literally a celebration of black culture, 100%. And if you want to talk about the funniest things you have ever seen, 
It is on the Black People Twitter subreddit. The most unbelievably funny stuff. They take everything and, and turn it into a joke. Everything. Um, any Anything that's relevant in the news, whether it be Obama or Donald Trump or... Man, we've mentioned Donald Trump twice already. I need to stop. Um, anything you can possibly think of. Most of it is, like, rated, you know, R, basically. I, I probably couldn't give you some examples over the show, but... You want to talk about the just the most original, funny, no filter, no censorship whatsoever. It's black people Twitter. I, I'm telling you, it's a celebration of black culture. It is in no way laughing at anybody or trying to degrade somebody. It's basically like for them, by them type of thing. But just as an outsider reading these posts is is the best thing on the internet. So when you get a, when you get a chance, go to reddit.com slash r slash black people Twitter. And I promise you will laugh so hard you'll cry. I will definitely take a look at it. <clears throat> okay, on to my number one <clears throat> guilty pleasure. Oh, okay, so you have to bear with me with this on a second, Okay. It's gonna see. It's gonna seem really weird, and, and I, I I can't even believe I'm gonna admit this to people. I, I just don't judge me, okay? Whatever you do, because if I'm willing to admit this, shit, then you, you cannot judge me, okay? That's the rule this week, all right? No, I'm sharing this one because it's TV related. <clears throat> so here goes. When when I'm at home alone, or even even if my family's there, <clears throat> but I make sure they're not looking or anything like that. When I'm in the kitchen and I'm cooking dinner. I pretend that I have my own show on the Food Network. Oh, my, my, my. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do. I totally do. <laughs> I even talk through, like, prepping stuff. I'm like, you know, first you got to chop up the shallots. And then, but if you don't get, if you can't get shallots at your local grocery store, don't worry. Just get, like, just get a Spanish onion. But just make sure you don't overdo it. It'll still cook in the sauce when you, you don't like shit like that. I do that. I, I even have a name for my show. It's called Kiss the Cook. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, and the difference, my hook on the show is, see, I drink on the show, right? I actually drink wine while I'm do, shooting the show while well, pretend shooting the show anyway um, but uh, I, I cannot be the only person in the world that does it there has to be other people out there that pretend that they have a show on the Food Network when they cook dinner there has to be or, what's uh, it called Kiss the Cook Kiss the Cook that's me yeah that's my show You know. can you give us a little sample can you give us your intro no like I said like I said there's me like chopping up shallots or whatever I'll be like you know what and when, you, when you're putting together the shrimp and you're putting them on the barbecue just kiss them on either side you just want to get them pink you don't want to overdo it you want to make sure you get, stay away from that it's just awful I tell you I'm probably just demented but I, Yancey I, maybe I need help but I, I think I cannot be alone there's got to be other people that think like that too but that's my number one guilty pleasure <laughs> of all time and I need serious serious help so let's just move on to fun with Yancey. Okay, so this this week I'm going to be asking you questions, Yancey. I'm going to try and keep it to like a lot of guilty pleasure type stuff, especially for my generation. See if you can guess some of the guilty pleasures that we had, you know, when I was growing up. Okay, so the first one. This is a game. Okay, it was developed in 1973, but became popular in the 80s. Okay, and it had like countless players all across the world, but very few uh, of them, uh, I think, seemed willing to admit, you know, that they like playing the game. So therefore, it is, it's the ultimate guilty pleasure game. So because there was no board and the game just consisted of rolling these really weird shaped dice and, you know, it portrayed adventures and stuff like that, uh, it was seen by some parents and authority figures as an occult plot. Can you oh, name God. the game? So it has no board. No board. It originated in the 70s, but it's popularized in the 80s. Is that what you said? Yep. Yep. And it's about you portraying adventures and stuff like that. And, you know, like I say, some parents thought it was, uh, you know, a bit of an, an occult thing. There was even movies made about it. A movie with Tom Hanks came out about it, about it being a really weird game. And, and nobody, a lot of people wouldn't admit, because if you admitted that you like playing this game, you were like a total nerd, right? Uh, that was the idea. Can you name the game? Uh, 
I can't. I don't know. Dungeons and Dragons. See, honestly, that was my first guess, but I thought Dungeons and Dragons was like a card-based game. No, no, no. Not at all. Purely imaginary. Yep. Okay, on to the next one. Um, Now, I mentioned Saved by the Bell of College Years as one of my guilty pleasures. God, I love the show. Um, Now, I know you were only born in in 88, right? Correct. But Saved by the Bell has been replayed and replayed in syndication a ton over the years. So you've definitely been able to see it. So here's my question. You've, 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 you've seen the show, obviously, right? Yeah, I, I've seen a handful of episodes. Okay, yeah. good. On the original series, the gang all used to hang out at a diner where they'd eat food and socialize. What was the name of the diner? Oh, sh- I even remember seeing the window. Don't they always like pan out to like the, the logo? Yep. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> what is it, Christopher? It's the Max. The Max. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That feels um, right. Okay, so this TV show ran from 1978 to 1984 on ABC. It featured the characters Mr. Rourke, who was pl- portrayed by Ricardo Montalban, and his pint-sized sidekick Tattoo, played by Hervé Villachez. And they ran a mysterious island where people would pay... Oh, I know this. <laughs> ...to come for a weekend visit and live out their most elaborate fantasies. So staying true to the formula of the 70s that we already mentioned, the guest stars each week were usually made up of very little-known or little-talented Z- Z-list celebrities. What was the name of the show? Uh, it's Fantasy Island. Yay! Don't tell me you watched this show. Oh, of course I have. <laughs> I think I, I think I remember seeing like one or two episodes of this on like TV Land or something, like real late at night one night, and I was like, "What is this? Yeah, what it, is this? <laughs> it, it? Is a pretty bad, pretty bad seventies and eighties show, but it was popular at the time. But like you know, you wouldn't admit that you liked it, you know, unless you're like me and come on a podcast and admit stuff. Um, okay, so here's another one. This song was released in 1997. Okay, and it's been described by many people as very uncool and dorky and annoying. It was written and performed by three brothers and continues to keep people bopping along to the music as a guilty pleasure almost 20 years after it first came out. What's the name of the song? Three Brothers. Yep. In 1977. Mm hmm. And I feel like I should know this. And it continues to keep people bopping along to the music 20 years later. What's this guilty pleasure song? I don't know, Chris. Who is it? The the, the band was called Hanson. What? That was twenty years ago already. Mbop, baby, mbop. Oh. You know it. Very big, a big guilty pleasure song. Okay, so one more for you. Okay, this TV show ran from nineteen seventy nine to nineteen eighty eight. So it went off the year you were born, Nancy. Okay, uh, but I'm sure you've heard of it though. Okay, I'm going to give you lots of hints. Okay, it took place in an all girls boarding school. And it featured uh, several girls learning about the facts of life from their school house mother, Mrs. Garrett. And the series actually at one point starred actors such as Molly Ringwald and a very young George Clooney. Can you name the show? I can see I can see George Clooney's character. Mm-hmm. I, I like I've, I've seen screenshots and stuff this before, but I can't remember the name of the show. Several girls learning about the facts of life from their school house mother, Mrs. Garrett. Can yeah. you name it? I can't do it. It's the facts of life. Oh. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> you bastard. It was dropping lots of hints on you there, hoping you would get it, but no such luck. But you've heard of the show, I'm assuming. Um, it, I mean, it sounds familiar. Oh, I, I remember seeing 
more or less just just stuff from George Clooney's early career, I guess. Yeah, he had like but, long, long hair in it, and used to wear like a jean jacket and stuff like that. Uh, right. But anyway, listen, I tried to mix in a few more recent recent ones for you this week. You know, not just all seventies and eighties stuff. You know, mm-hmm. so and I tried to give you lots of hints along the way, but it still makes it a little bit challenging for you. Anyway, um, I think we've embarrassed ourselves enough for one week. Why don't we just Why don't we just time to call it a week? We can like wrap things up. What do you think? Yeah, I, fair enough. Let's do I, it. But I will say this: I tell you what, if, if you you know like 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 Yancey and I, if you have any guilty pleasures and you actually have the guts to talk about them, just like we did, uh, make sure you reach out to us on Twitter at cmcbrian or at Yancey Eaton, or you can always shoot us an email at chris at popgoesyourworld.com or Yancey at popgoesyourworld.com. Until next week. This is Chris McBrien for Yancey Eaton saying thanks for listening to The Pop Goes Your World, a pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to The Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 